When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. We are Unsportsmanlike here on ESPN Radio. ESPNU presented by Progressive Insurance. Hello, Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen with you. Yes, Belichick, the greatest coach we have ever seen. Who will raise the trophy tonight and be one of the great college coaches we've seen? Find out. College Football Playoff National Championship presented by AT&T. Coverage begins at 6.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. All right, let's get everybody caught up on a couple of things going on here because we're on Belichick Watch and he just spoke to the media. So, for those who uh, fell asleep early last night, you didn't see Sunday Night Football. The Bills beat the Dolphins to it, throws a late interception. Josh Allen had early interceptions. What does that mean? That sets up Baltimore as the one. Buffalo will host Pittsburgh Sunday, 1 p.m. Eastern. Buffalo is the two seed. Kansas City hosts Miami Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern. That's the Tyreek Hill return game. Houston in the AFC, the four seed uh, against Cleveland, the five seed Saturday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern time. The Deshaun Watson trade bowl there. In the NFC, you've got San Francisco 1. Dallas with their win yesterday against Washington destroyed them, which gave Washington the number two pick overall. Sets up a Mike McCarthy Bowl against their former head coach, Green Bay Packers, and Dallas Cowboys Sunday 4, 30 p.m. Eastern time. Detroit and the Rams play 3-6. and six. Stafford Goff Sunday 8 p.m. Eastern. And then the Monday night game, which we'll have on the ESPN family of networks, of course. Tampa Bay and Philly. Philly really backing into the postseason. Two former Oklahoma quarterbacks, Jalen Hurts and Baker Mayfield. That's a Monday night, 8 p.m. Eastern time game. Quickly, guys, if I only gave you one to watch, which game you watch in Smalls? You can only watch one playoff game this weekend. Oh, my gosh. There's so many good options. I think... Packers-Cowboys. Ooh, that was my one, too. Packers, because the Packers are one of the hottest teams in the NFL right now. Jordan Love is playing amazing. This is a young team with nothing to lose. Doesn't it just feel like they could go in and upset the Dallas Cowboys? Oh, no doubt. No doubt. I mean, Jordan Love is playing fantastic football since week 11. He's got the highest QBR and the best touchdown-to-interception ratio of anybody in football. Mm. This dude is good, man. Like the Green Bay Packers absolutely made the, the the right decision in terms of the timing of it, moving for Rodgers to love. And now with all of the weapons that he has and the confidence that they have after winning six of their last eight games, how could you not feel good about their chances of being able to go into Dallas and make that game more competitive than the experts think? I noticed that uh, we're all going to watch Tampa Bay and Philadelphia, but Philadelphia, the way they're backing their way into the postseason is ugly right now. No. They've been awful recently, and they end up, obviously, as the five seed. Tampa is the four seed. Draft order set for the, I'll give you the top ten quickly, Chicago, Washington, New England, Arizona, the Chargers, the Giants, Tennessee, Atlanta, Chicago. Again, that's their pick. The first one, of course, is Carolina's. And then the Jets. In addition, we saw one coaching move last night. Arthur Smith, after his incident with Dennis Allen postgame screaming and yelling at him, where Jameis Winston became the head coach of the New Orleans Saints and overruled Dennis Allen and gave the ball to Jamal Williams to score a touchdown of 41-17. As we've been saying, Jameis Winston continues to be Jameis Winston, and you saw that yesterday. But 
But the big news now is that we see Bill Belichick had just had his year-end press conference. We're going to run through some sound here. We are just getting it in from Bill Belichick, who is still employed by the New England Patriots. The first thing was how they will proceed moving forward after their loss yesterday to the Jets. I'm going to contract, um, do what I always do, which is every day I come in, work as hard as I can to help the team in whatever way I can. Um, So... That's what I'm going to continue to do. And, you know, today was kind of the wrap-up day for us with the players. Um, we'll have a meeting with them and direction or anything like that for next uh, end-of-the-year process is, you know, I don't think will be fundamentally any different from a, uh, you know, the standpoint of how it's done, um, the decisions. That's a whole other conversation. But um, how it's done, you know, I'll meet with Robert like I always do. All right, he was asked about any indication from Robert Kraft, the owner of the team, about his job security. Have you received any indication from ownership that your future as head coach is up in the air? Yeah, I told you, I'm I'm here to work as hard as I can to help our team every day. That's what I'm going to do. He was also asked about giving up personnel control. Wondering if you've given any serious thoughts of relinquishing the personnel, maybe some of the draft responsibilities, and coaching the team, which you were saying yesterday, is something you still really want to do. Yeah, I'm, look, I'm for whatever, um, you know, collectively we decide as an organization is the best thing to help our football team. I have multiple roles in that, and I rely on a lot of people to help me in those uh, in those responsibilities. If somebody's got to have the final say, uh, I have it. I, I rely on a lot of other people to help, and, you know, however that, yeah, whatever that process is, you know, I'm, I'm only part of it. And then finally, if he's willing to coach somewhere else. In the event um, you are no longer the coach of the Patriots, would would you be interested in coaching for another team? Again? Yeah, I'm not going to get into a lot of hypothetical situations. Guys, I'll tell you, the one thing that you really, at least based on his words, take out of that for sure, the one thing I take out of that for sure is he wants to coach the Patriots. That's clear because, CC, there's an argument that someone else would give him more money next year and maybe for next year specifically more power and may have a better roster. And yet... He is at least, I think, coming off as, I want to coach this team. Yeah, because he's leaving open the possibility that somebody else could be asked to come in and have personnel control because he hasn't done the best job when it comes to drafting players. And lately in free agency, he spent a bunch of money and not necessarily have the return on investment. So what he said was the right thing in terms of giving Robert Kraft and Jonathan Kraft some options when it comes to the head coach, general manager tandem Moving forward, I just don't think that that's going to be enough for ownership because when you look at the direction that the program is trending in over the last four years, it ain't going the right way. Three of the last four years have been losing seasons. You had 13 losses this year. I mean, that's awful. I think it's tied for third worst in franchise history. So, like, I just, this is a bad situation right now. And I just don't have any confidence that Belichick is going to be able to develop the players that are brought into the program and get the most out of them. Now, is he still a great coach from an X's and O's standpoint? Yes. But that's only part of the job. You have to find a way to be able to communicate to the guys in the locker room in order to get them to buy into a team first agenda. And Belichick was always able to do that with Tom Brady. But post-TB12, it hasn't necessarily been the case. And that's what would give me cause for pause in running it back with Bill Belichick if I'm Robert Kraft. So, absolutely. And I understand, Evan, what you're saying about how it's coming off like he still wants to coach the Patriots. To me, I interpret those comments as it's business as usual until it's not. 
right? We're still going to go about the process the way that we do until it's not these decisions are above me. What he said about potentially relinquishing some personnel control and what he said, we will collectively decide what's best for the organization. I didn't necessarily read that as the Patriots, even though that's what he was talking about. I thought to myself, if I'm another organization that's interested in hiring Bill Belichick and I maybe had some concerns over whether he would want to give up some control when it comes to personnel decisions, et cetera, he just said, I'm deferential, I'm deferential to ownership and I will collaborate with others if that's the best action forward. So to me, while saying I am still business as usual with New England until I'm not, I think he's also very slyly, whether he intends to or not, letting other potential bosses know, I'm open, I'm collaborative. Whoever you think is the best person as far as personnel decisions are concerned, I'll work with them. I'm good with that. Well, here's why I don't necessarily buy it that way. He should not be deferential to ownership other places. In this place, he should be because it's proven to have worked. You go to Carolina, you're going to be deferential. Hell no. That's what I'm saying. Is he going to go there, though? With the the charges? Hell no. That's the point, right? So you may be right, Smalls, but but he's better than the owners in other places. Which I understand, but if you're really looking for other places, you don't go into a job interview and say, you're stupid. We're going to do this my way. No. No, You Uh, you you could, but not in those words. You want to, of course... if he's going to Carolina or to the Chargers, which we both think are Carolina, I would be floored if he ended right. up there, but maybe the Chargers. Those two organizations are bringing him in because they are finally maybe having the self-awareness that they should do it a different way. I would argue Here, here's what we know, Smalls, and I, I tend to agree with what you're saying, that he, he wants to make sure that everybody knows he's amenable to different organizational structures. What we learn from that bite is that he ain't retiring. Yeah, Bill, no, Bel- that's clear. Bill, yes. Bel- Bill Belichick is going to coach in 2024. We just don't know whether it's going to be with the Patriots or it's going to be at one of the vacancies that have already opened up. We don't have that information yet. Mm-hmm. But he is absolutely going to coach. He absolutely wants to chase after Don Shula's all-time wins record. And if you asked us you know, a month ago or two months ago, did we think it was on the board that he could potentially walk away? Yes. There were some people that thought maybe Bill Belichick, rather than having to go somewhere else and coach, he would retire after 24 years being the Patriots head coach. That is not going to happen. He is going to coach next year, and he is laying the groundwork for that to happen, whether that's in New England or it's at another destination. So, yeah, agreed. Here's how I would also classify this, based on the interview process, Smalls, that you would bring up. I actually think today, or whenever the meeting is, he's interviewing to be the head coach of the New England Patriots. If he were to go to the Chargers or the Panthers, he's interviewing the Chargers and Panthers to see if he wants to work for them. He's the employer in that case. It's flipped because he doesn't have to go to the Chargers or the Panthers. If he goes and walks in, if Nick Sirianni gets canned with the Eagles, he's interviewing for the job. Howie Roseman, Jeffrey Lurie, the owner, have proven enough where they have a right to say to Belichick, nah, we're going to do things this way. If Belichick were to go to Carolina or the Chargers, he could hand them pieces of paper and say, this is, these are my requirements. Either you sign or you don't. It's a little bit different. I actually think he's interviewing to be the Patriots head coaching to have the head coaching job of the New England Patriots. No, I agree, but I don't think it's going to matter, Ev. I don't think Robert Kraft That's is going to give question. him the choice. Yeah. That's, is, this a, is this an open-ended discussion, no. or is it a declaration by Kraft? No, today? this, is, this, is, is. this is how this is going to go down, and this is the face that we're going to present, what's in your best interest and what's in my best interest. Let's not make us think about it. We'll let you have your pick of where you want to go. We're not going to force the team that you're going to to trade us a draft pick, even though we know you're worth at least a first round. 
rounder. We're not going to do that. We're ready to move on, and we're going to offer you that respect. I think that's how it's going down. I don't see a scenario where they're negotiating on what the hierarchical structure is going to be. I, I just don't see that. I also have to believe that the Crafts and the Patriot organization, while they don't love everything in which the way in which Belichick operates, they like enough of it where the names that we've heard from Vrabel to Mayo to Flores, like they kind of yeah. want the nicer version of Belichick – but they still want a version of Belichick. They don't want all their state secrets leaked all the time. They don't want to be as transparent as maybe other organizations. They don't want to be a circus like the Jets or other teams constantly. There's still a Belichick-Patriot-Brady way that does stem from Kraft. Kraft has to like this way of going about the business. All of a sudden, you know, it's not going to be open practices for two hours every day. It's not going to be meet and greets with the coach every day. There still has to be, like, this Patriot way we associate either with Brady or Belichick. Kraft has a hand in it too, Smalls. He does, but I I think he saw the success that was happening and didn't meddle in it, which, you know, credit to him. A lot of owners can't help themselves, and even in uh, successful situations, they have to insert themselves in some way. But I think we're going to see a completely different scenario with Robert Kraft hiring this next person. Now, if he does go with somebody with Belichick DNA, it probably will be very similar to the Patriot way. I'm sure they're going to put their own unique fingerprints on it. But if he pivots and goes outside of somebody that is familiar with the organization, it's going to be very interesting to see how he approaches that. If he's the one that's dictating how this is going to go, or if he's going to give them full reign to establish a new culture and a new identity in New England. All right, coming up, we were going to keep you updated on all the coaching moves. Obviously, Belichick sound just coming in. Wanted to make sure that you guys had that. Coming up, Pat Costello, our producer, is over it next. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again. By visiting electricebikes.com. That's L E C T R I C ebikes.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. We are Unsportsmanlike here on ESPN Radio. ESPNU presented by Progressive Insurance. Eagles fans over the Eagles. Jaguars fans over the Jaguars. Dolphins fans maybe over the Dolphins right now with some of their losses. Pat Costello, our producer, over things. Gets annoyed by things. What are you over today, Pat? But first, Javante. <laughs> Time for the most exciting Pistons fan in the entire NBA to tell you what he saw last night. It's Javante's Detroit Pistons second. So, Javante, 
What happened? Lost again. Three and thirty-three. <laughs> Pat, back to you. <laughs> Denver three over Detroit, one thirty-one, one fourteen. By the way, CC's Lakers got a much-needed win over the Clippers Hello, last night. Let's go. Go ahead, Pat. Nick Sirianni is coaching for his job this week. Speaking of inexcusably bad, sorry, Javante. Nick Sirianni is coaching for his job this week. They've been horrendous for the past. I don't even honestly. They've been bad all season. I don't know how they've managed to win as many games as they have. You guys mentioned earlier, like, oh, what happened to this team that was ten and one? This is who they've been all season. They were just winning games somehow. That was the amazing part. Nick Sirianni and the whole coaching staff is coaching for their jobs this week. Maybe not Patricia. What? You heard me. Just saying, if they go out and get Belichick, you only think Patricia stays. Oh my God! Here we go. Here we go. That's the spot. Just saying, that would be amazing. Here we go. But no, they've been they've been terrible. They have been awful. They have been. I mean, that's the worst defense in football. Not in the playoff field, but the worst defense in football. You let the Giants with Tommy DeVito and Tyrod Taylor throw for over three hundred yards. I mean, you can't stop a nosebleed. You've gone eight straight <laughs> games with allowing opponents to rush for over 100 yards. Like, this is an atrocious defense. Like, the saving grace last year was that they were able to get to the quarterback better than anybody else. They had over 70 sacks. This year, <laughs> they got 41. So, I mean, this is, this is not the same team, and their defensive front is not good enough to overcome the ills of the back seven. And then beyond that, offensively, they don't have an identity. It's basically Jalen Hurts, scramble around and make something happen. Use your legs and your arm and try to will us to a win. That's not a plan, Nick Sirianni. That is absolutely awful. I think there's pressure on both coordinators. Obviously, we saw what happened with Sean Desai getting replaced by Matt Patricia. But Brian Johnson deserves some heat, too, their new offensive coordinator. He is not Shane Steichen. And here's the thing. We didn't realize how good of a coach Shane Steichen was until we've seen him with the Indianapolis Colts, and we see what the absence from him on the Philadelphia sidelines has done to that unit. So, yeah, it's all bad in Philadelphia. The coordinators in the past have been able to cover up any kind of shortcomings that Nick Sirianni's had, but now all of that stuff is coming to the forefront. So, like Pat said, it's absolutely on the board that the Eagles could lose to the Bucks on the road in wildcard weekend, and if that happens – then we should be questioning Nick Sirianni's job security. Guys, sorry to interrupt. I want to make sure I get this. Adam Schefter is now reporting the Washington Commanders have fired their head coach, Ron Rivera. No surprise there, but we thought it would happen. Ron Rivera fired by the Commanders here. It was his birthday yesterday. There was a lot of talk that maybe they legitimately would not fire him yesterday because of that. Let's dive right into this before we get back to Pat on things. Is this an attractive job? Let's talk about what this job now is. New ownership, second pick in the draft, some pieces on defense. I will point out Montez Sweat led them in sacks this year. He's on the Bears. Um, And Montez Sweat (laughs) led the Bears in sacks this year, which he led two teams in sacks this year. First time it's ever happened. Is this a good job? Yes. Why? Because so, you have a hold on, Canty. Apologies for this, but there's more to that. The Woj is now reporting that with Schefter that the Commanders owner Josh Harris has hired two prominent executives: former Warriors GM Bob Myers and former Vikings GM Rick Spielman to assist his group in searching for the new head of football operations and coach. Okay, Ooh. wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wow. 
Wait, wait what? a second. Wait what? a second. Wow. Wow. Wait a second. Bob wow. Myers? <laughs> well, remember, Josh Harris owns two other teams. I he owns know. the Sixers yep. and he owns the Devils in the NHL. But I didn't I- have that coming Ironically, down the pipeline somebody could probably find this tweet out of Co Radio. When all of the Daryl Morey, James Harden stuff was happening, I said they should get rid of James, uh, get rid of Daryl Morey and hire Bob Myers. I didn't mean for Washington Commanders they should do that. <laughs> I meant for the Sixers. That is an unbelievable move here. I love this. I don't yeah. care about the cross sports stuff. If you're good at management, you're good at management. If you know what a leader looks like, you know what a leader looks like. And, and Bob Myers Bob knows Myers what he's knows. doing. Yep. So are we? Gonna, Steve Kerr, head coach of the Commanders. Stop yourself. <laughs> But this can, is. Can we get Tim Leckler involved, though? You know he's a commander's fan. Get oh, Leckler on. Get, get, get Leckler involved. Get Leckler involved. Wait, get him on the committee. Exactly. Get him in the get room. <laughs> get Le- wow. Get Leckler involved. Get to vote. <laughs> if your legs, you're a little insulted. If they're going to hire a basketball guy, you have season tickets to the commanders. No. It's got to be you. If your legs, you are pumped that they brought in Bob Myers to help assist in this decision. Yeah, wow. but, but you have competent executives yes, that, that understand what it takes to hire leadership. In professional sports. And so that's a step in the right direction, which is why I said, I think this ends up being a good job. Wait, I I have more. I'm sorry to interrupt, Cece. Uh, Schefter now reporting the Panthers have fired their general manager, Scott Fitter. So now David Tepper has fired anyone employed with that organization, basically. General manager and head coach have obviously been fired. His third head coaching fire, and I believe he's been there for, what, four years, three years? Yeah, yeah. So we have that added to the list here. If David Tepper wants to make that job more attractive, all he has to do is fire himself as owner. (laughs) I mean, beyond paying somebody $20 million a year. I digress. But we're talking about the commander's job. Yes. I think it's actually a good job because you have a cash-rich owner who's shown himself to be able to create stability with the other franchises that he's worked with. He took the New Jersey Devils through a rebuild, and now they have a situation where you're expecting them to be a perennial playoff contender. We're seeing what this Philadelphia 76ers are doing now. Transition away from James Harden, transition away from Doc Rivers. Both of those seem to be the right decisions in terms of what they've done. So you should feel good about stepping into that job. This is not the same old commanders if you're a head coaching prospect. This is going to be one of the more attractive jobs with, dare I say, a, a franchise that should be a flagship franchise in the National Football League. That's one of the things that I was just thinking about. Not only do you have new ownership and ownership that really wants to get this right and is clearly bringing in some really smart minds to help make this decision, they're going to give you the resources to succeed. No doubt. Josh Harris, Magic Johnson, they are going to make sure that if they're putting their fingerprints on this franchise, that they're going to have the head coach be in a position to succeed. You get to pick your new quarterback, yep. hopefully. That's what they're going to do with that pick. And what you just said is something I have always felt true with this new new ownership, excuse me, group. The Washington football franchise was one of the crown jewels of the NFL. No doubt. They have a passionate fan base that has been stuck under bad ownership for years and years and years. Now that they have turned the page and they're entering this new era – like if you're the coach that comes in and you turn the commanders around, you're going to be the guy. You're going to have so much love and support from the community. I think this is a crazy attractive job. So here's what happens as a result of Schefter and Woj's amazing reporting. There are two sports that are going to be wheels in motion here as a result of this, right? Because from the NFL perspective, you're looking at the commanders have an opening, second pick in the draft. Mel Kiper is going to join us in a little bit. We'll talk to him about that. And they bring in Rick Spielman, former Vikings executive, Dolphins executive, and Bob Myers to consult on that side of it. So that's the NFL side of it. The NBA side of it 
is going to look at Bob Myers now works for the Sixers, right, in a roundabout way. And Bob Myers has a better relationship with Draymond Green than anybody else in the NBA. And then wheels are going to be in motion. We talked about the idea Sixers have a trade to be made at some point. I'm just saying there's an NBA flip to this as well. This is a remarkable turn of events that we did not see coming. Again, if you're just tuning in, Commanders fire head coach Ron Rivera. Adrian Wojnarowski and Adam Schefter are reporting that the Commanders are bringing in Bob Myers, former Warriors executive, and Rick Spielman, former Vikings and Dolphins executive, to help with the search. Reminder, the ownership group of the commanders also owns the Philadelphia 76ers and the New Jersey Devils. All right. And that's not yeah. to mention that you have the second overall pick in second the NFL draft. Second overall pick in the draft. So you're going to have, in a quarterback-rich draft, Yes, there are four quarterbacks right now that are being projected to go into the top ten. Like You're going to have your pick of three of those guys. Mel Kuyper Jr. scheduled to join us next. He will help us break that down. We are on Sportsmanlike, presented by Progressive Insurance on ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Evan Canty and Michelle are Unsportsmanlike. Washington and Michigan. Here we go. The title Monday night. It's been a long time since either of these teams last won a natty. When you're sitting there in August and you're trying to figure out which teams are going to possibly make a run, I think both these teams have that proverbial chip on their shoulder. How about them dogs? Literally, underdogs and also Huskies. The last two playoff appearances, just we didn't get it done. We all knew what our goals were, knew what our standard is around here at Michigan. Tonight, National Championship, College Football Playoff National Championship presented by AT&T. Coverage begins 6.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Hello, Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen with you. We are on Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. Very quickly, want to get you up to speed on what we have learned here through Adam Schefter's reporting over the last 12 hours or so. So Arthur Smith out in Atlanta. Ron Rivera out in Washington. Now there's a spin, though. Who's in? Not as head coach, but Bob Myers, former Warriors executive, and Rick Spielman, former Dolphins and Vikings executive, have been brought in by Josh Harris, who owns the Commanders, as well as the Sixers and the Devils, to help with that search. Draft order is set. National championship is set. And who better to talk to about all of that than Mel Kuyper Jr., of course, ESPN NFL draft expert, host of First Draft Podcast on the ESPN app. And Mel joins us now. Mel, let's start with this. The draft order is set. Rivera is out. How are we now approaching the top three picks in the draft? 
big decision to make. You know, do you keep, keep uh, Justin or, or move, make, move, make the move to Caleb Williams? And, and obviously Atlanta at eight would be in that mix to make that deal. That's where Justin, yeah, obviously high school, Georgia before he went to Ohio State. And do you feel Michael Penix Jr. would be a better option than making a deal for Justin Fields if Chicago decides to go that way? So they hold all the cards there in terms of, of what's going to be happening there. But I do think Caleb goes number one regardless. And then Washington at two, you'd be thinking about Drake May or Jaden Daniels. Uh, Michael Penix Jr. certainly would be in the mix to be a top 10 pick. I just don't think he'll be in the discussion right now, depending upon what happens last tonight. Remember last, uh, not that long ago, Vince Young catapulted the three overall based on what happened in that great game against Matt Leinert when he brought Texas back to win that game with 41-38. So it can happen where Penix Jr. with a ex- explosive, effective, yeah, upset win tonight over Michigan, uh, he could catapult into that top group. But right now I have him basically going 8-15. to 15. Mel, and you took me right where I wanted to go because in your latest big board you've got four quarterbacks in the top ten prospects. And, of course, the NFL offseason will revolve around what the Chicago Bears do with the number one overall pick. If Justin Fields was in this draft class, where would he slot in uh, when you talk about all of those other quarterbacks, Caleb Williams, Jaden Daniels, Drake May, and Michael Penix Jr.? Chris, that's a tough question to answer because you're going to do it real time. Or are you going to go back to what we thought coming out of Ohio State? I'm the second highest quarterback behind Trevor that year. So in terms of grade, he would be right behind Caleb Williams. Okay, right behind Caleb as the second quarterback. If you go to, to real time, that the makes it a, a comp, obviously a huge conversation between Caleb and, and Justin. So I would say Caleb right now would get a slight edge, just the slightest of edges. I would slot Justin Fields in at number two in this draft. Like I said, and even going back to ratings coming out of college, he would be number two. So that's wow. based on real time and going back a few years to see how he was viewed coming out of college by me. Now, some people weren't as high on Fields and would say, no, Drake May's ahead of him. Certainly, uh, you think about where we are with Jaden Daniels right now. He would be ahead of him. So I'm, th- I'm thinking some may have him a fourth. I would have him second. Mel, for not one, but two years now, we have talked about Caleb Williams as being the number one overall pick, as being a transformational quarterback. But we have so many other great, talented quarterbacks in this draft class, whether it be Michael Penix, Jaden Daniels, Drake May. How big of a gap is it between Caleb Williams and those other quarterbacks? Michelle, that's a great question because I thought it would be a huge gap going into the year. I thought it would be Caleb Williams and everybody else, that he would be so far ahead. And really, even for the first pick overall, it wouldn't even be a discussion. You move forward with Caleb Williams, you trade Justin Fields. But Caleb struggles late in the year, particularly starting at that Notre Dame game. Why did that happen? What went wrong late? They end up winning the bowl game when he wasn't there. Uh, you know, last year, uh, two years ago, he was spectacular. He looked like a generational quarterback. From the Notre Dame game on this year, he did not. So I think that made it a discussion what happened later in the year uh, as to whether he should be you know, guaranteed to be the number one quarterback in this draft. And he still is, in my opinion. But, and, and the thing is, Drake May could have put pressure on him, but Drake May had his own struggles. Go to the Virginia game. Go to the NC State game, where he was just off in terms of his accuracy throwing the football. So I think Jaden kind of moved way up. Jaden was the one that moved from the third, fourth rounder into the top group. Michael Penix Jr. didn't have a great finish to the season in terms 
the regular season, but then he had the Pac-12 title game, and then he had what happened, obviously, in the semifinals. So he's way up there. And then J.J. McCarthy has not yet had that wild performance. Is it going to happen tonight? We'll see. So I think it's still Caleb in a little bit of a drop-off, but not as significant as I thought it may be. Uh, But certainly it could have been a lot tighter had Drake had a spectacular year. So I think the battle now is between the second quarterbacks. Is it going to be Drake? Is it going to be Jaden? And then is Michael Penix going to, after tonight, going to be in the mix to be right there with them? Or is he going to be in the mix with J.J. McCarthy to be the fourth quarterback overall? Mel Kuyper Jr. joining us, of course, ESPN NFL draft expert on Unsportsmanlike here on ESPN Radio. Hello, Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty. I am Evan Cohen. Mel, was there a team that slotted into a certain spot in the top 10 with the final draft order coming out last night that you took note of and said, hmm, that's interesting. That is an interesting spot for that team to potentially get this guy. Well, I think it's Atlanta at eight is what I just look at. I look at them thinking, okay, they got to get a quarterback. Michael Penix Jr. is the one who, based on the semifinal game, uh, certainly is, is right there at that eight spot. Some would say maybe a little higher. Some would say lower. And if you say lower, it's because you're concerned about the medical, you know, the two shoulders and the knee, uh, which he had twice. So the medical, now he's two years removed. He, play, he played two full years, which I thought after last year was critical that he goes back to Washington and has two full seasons healthy, okay, with nothing significant finishing out the year. I'll make this point about Penix. I said it on the Darian Mel show Saturday. What really I, I liked about him was, and I said the same thing about Josh Allen when he missed a couple games and Wyoming lost to some bad teams. He comes back to the bowl game and he wins. And, and it, at Kentucky with Will Levis, the difference he was when he was in there or when he was out when he was hurt. Michael Penix Jr. was 12-5 and five as a starter at Indiana. They were not good when he was not in there. Significant drop-off. 2-3 and three that final year with him, lost seven straight without him. They're upsetting people in 2020. In 2019, he's 5-1 as a starter. They're 3-4 and four without him after that. So he was a winner at Indiana. He elevated that team with Tom Allen. When Kalen DeBoer was there in 2020, he was outstanding. So for Michael Penix Jr., the fact he's been healthy for two years, for what he did at Indiana in terms of being a total difference maker, he's the guy after tonight. If we talk tomorrow morning about Michael Penix Jr., maybe a little bit different than what we're saying right now. Because if he plays great, he is in the discussion to be up there with Daniels and certainly May. If he plays good, he'll probably drop down in that middle of the first. If he doesn't, then people will be questioning whether he should be a, a mid or late first rounder. So I think tonight's huge for Michael Penix Jr. I think the eighth spot for Atlanta is going to be really interesting to go with him, or do you maybe, if Chicago's trading fields, do you make that move for Justin Fields instead? Mel, this is also a really talented draft class when it comes to pass catchers. I know it's Marvin Harrison Jr. at the top of this class, but in your top 10 prospects, you've also got three other guys, and that would be Brock Bowers, Malik Neighbors, and Rome Odunze. I'm just curious, throughout the pre-draft process, which one of those guys do you see closing the gap on where Marvin Harrison Jr. is as the top pass catcher in this class? You know, Chris, I think it could be Odunze or Neighbors because both are spectacular players. Both should test really, really well. And that's really all we have going for them between now and the draft is testing, right? We're not going to see them on the field. So I think you look at Odunze, tonight we'll see him. Obviously, another chance for him to put up big numbers and showcase that he could maybe be a Jamar Chase type of player. And certainly for Malik Neighbors at LSU with Jaden Daniels was sensational. And they really took his game to a different level this year's performance. 
Foreman. So I think both those kids are, are not that far off from Marvin Harrison Jr. I still think Marvin Harrison Jr. is the number one receiver. He's wide receiver one. Is it a huge gap? I don't think so. I think Odunze and Neighbors, Coleman, just a bit off of that group. But I think Odunze and Neighbors are going to go certainly, uh, if you had to slot it right now based on the order, you'd have to be believing that they're going to go anywhere between that five, six, seven area. They're going to be both those other receivers, those two other guys, Odunze, and certainly when you think about Neighbors, are going, I think, within the top seven overall. Mel, when we sit down tonight to be locked into the national championship game, outside of the quarterbacks, who are some other players that we need to be paying attention to that we're going to see on Sundays? Who are some other draft well, guys we left, should pay attention to? Right, Michelle, the left tackle with Troy Fatanu from Washington. When you're watching him, he's not going to be a left tackle. He's going to be a guard or a right tackle, but he's really good. And the interior pressure that Michigan can put on Penix Jr. would come from Chris Jenkins, would be one of those guys as well, So and Graham as well. But Jenkins is a guy to watch there. Then you go to Mikey Sainris still, the slot corner, who's had a really good career after moving from wide receiver to corner. Really like him. I think when you look at, at Washington overall, I think you go to for the Totanu, certainly, and Odunze without a question. They're both outstanding players, but I think when you look at, because Dylan Johnson, the running back, going to be healthy. He's been banged up. North-South runner, gave him a big boost coming over from Mississippi State. Then you go to the Michigan offensive side of the ball, like I said before. J.J. McCarthy, this is his game. This is the game where if they don't, uh, if Blake Corum doesn't dominate, and they can find a way to contain the run, which is going to be the big issue for Washington. Can they contain Corum and Edwards? Are they going to just bludgeon them with the running game, or are they going to put the ball in McCarthy's hands? If they do, how does J.J. fare in this big, on this big stage against Michael Penix Jr., just like Vince Young, Matt Leinart back in the day? I think J.J. McCarthy, this game is as important, more important to him. I know it's important to everybody, but this is J.J. McCarthy. Hopefully, for me as an evaluator, I want to see Washington contain the running game. Not have it be where he doesn't throw a pass in the second half like the Penn State game, where he has to make some critical throws, and how does he step up and how does he get the job done? That will determine whether McCarthy is a mid-first, a late-first, or a second rounder. Mel, amazing job as always. Thank you so much for the time. We'll talk to you as we lead up to the draft here. Enjoy the game tonight, guys. Had a great time. Take care, man. All right, there's Mel Kuyper Jr., ESPN NFL Draft Expert, host of First Draft Pod, of course, on the ESPN app. Put Justin Fields ahead of everybody but Caleb Williams. Yes. In this draft. Yes. Guess what? The Bears can take Caleb Williams. So <laughs> they're not going number two. They're going number one in they this are. draft, right? They are. So if the Bears had the second pick, with Bob Myers' commander's team, <laughs> maybe there's a topic of conversation there. I still don't think there's a topic of conversation. Right. There's not. That because part. they're going number one that overall. Part. All right, coming up, we will get you updated on all of the coaching moves. There's a lot of them. And, I, yes, I referenced Bob Myers, the former <laughs> Warriors executive with the Washington Commanders. There's a reason for that, plus all the small things. Next, it's on Sportsmanlike ESPN Radio. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. 
You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. It is time for all the small things here on Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. I'm Michelle Smallman alongside Chris Canty and Evan Cohen. And guys, we've talked a lot today about it potentially being the end of the road for Bill Belichick in New England. And what a bummer that is. But there's another potential divorce looming that is making me really sad. And that's Justin Fields in the Chicago Bears. Mm. He's improved as the quarterback there. Mm -hmm. He really wants to be there. And he feels like he fits what Chicago is. But he said goodbye to the city just in case yesterday. Here's what it sounded like. Um, I gave him my off. So um, whether it's here or not, you know, uh, I have no regrets. Um, Shout out to, you know, you guys for... You know, making my job a little bit harder. But, um, yeah, uh, just to the city of Chicago, love y'all. Appreciate the fans and the support from all the Bears, you know, in case this is my last rodeo with y'all, and just appreciate y'all for everything. I didn't hear that clip yesterday. <laughs> I saw that going a different way. Shout out to you guys making my job harder. <laughs> wow. 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 I did not see that going that way. That is amazing. That is remarkable. But He's going to feel sad for him a little bit because he wants to be there. He's improved. And any other scenario, if they did not hold this pick, we would be like the future in Chicago is bright for Matt Eberflus and Justin Fields. They proved us wrong. They have made some strides. And we think that next season we're going to see even more growth from the two of them. And now now we're talking about Justin Fields moving on and potentially Matt Eberflus as well because they hold this number one pick. Yeah, I would also say that it feels like Caleb Williams won to the Bears. That said, Caleb Williams' father, early on this season, gave us indications of where he may want to go, where he may not want to go. We yeah. took it initially as he doesn't want to go to Arizona. Sure. Is there a still wait and see Archie Manning, Eli Manning situation in terms of would he ever say, I don't want to go to the Bears? No, why would you say that? Because you maybe want to go to a different team to trade up? No, I think the Bears are in good shape, though. I mean, think about it. You also have the ninth overall pick, which means you're in position to get one of those other pass catchers. And what have we been talking about with Justin Fields in Chicago? A lack of weapons. So, I mean, you'll have DJ Moore. You've got Cole Komet. Being able to add another weapon. I mean, Darnell Mooney, who didn't play yesterday, but is a good receiver. Had 1,000 yards a couple of years ago. Like, you have pieces now. I I don't know that you want to run out – and say, I don't want to play for the Chicago Bears. That's a great market and awesome fan base. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I think it's it's not as bad as what people think. And I'll also say this to Matt Eberflus's credit. Since week 10, you're talking about the third best defense and defensive efficiency, defensive EPA, and opponent QBR. They've turned a corner. Since that Montez Sweat uh-huh, trade, uh-huh. they turned a corner. They're 5-3 and three down the stretch in their final eight. This is a defense that's trending in the right direction. I've always said this, Smalls. A quarterback's best friend, a young quarterback's best friend, is a defense that can create field position and extra possessions. That Bears defense has proven that they can do that. Absolutely. Now, guys, moving on to the next thing. The team that the Chicago Bears lost to yesterday, if it was, in fact, Justin Fields' final game, was the Green Bay Packers. How on planet Earth do they keep doing this with the quarterbacks? I can't understand it. (laughs) Getting a franchise quarterback is a literal coin flip. 
in the NFL. We're talking about the Bears who might have the guy in Justin Fields moving on from him. It's been a wasteland of quarterbacks in Chicago. It's been a wasteland of quarterbacks for the Jets. I mean, the, the Browns outside of Joe Flacco coming off of his couch. So many organizations can't get it right and the Packers do. It's like, you know, we constantly search for the fountain of youth as humans. Like when I see J-Lo at the award show last night, I'm like, what's the blueprint? Whatever you're doing, tell me. I'll buy the products. I will live the lifestyle so that I can look like you at your age. Same thing with the Green Bay Packers and quarterbacks. Whatever they're doing, other franchises in the NFL, they want the blueprint. Can I ask a legitimate question? Absolutely. And, and this is, I don't know if any of you have the answer to it. When's the last time a team outside of the Green Bay Packers was able to draft, develop, and have success with a quarterback? When was the last, any team you're saying? Any team. Like, uh, do you give the Bengals credit yeah, I was for Joe say, no, I'm, talking about, I'm talking about the NFC North in that division. Oh, in oh, that, in that division. division. In the Packers division, NFC North. The last time a team was ready. To- well, Goff was on the outside. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, Kirk Cousins is from the outside. That's what I'm saying. Fields is on the move. I'm, I'm, I'm just asking the question. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know the answer. That's but a that, really good question. That, that's okay, what I'm I, got, I think I got one, but you're going to laugh at it. But but hear me out on it. I'm listening. Oh, no. What am I saying? They didn't draft him. Forget it. No, keep going. Who are you, you going to say? I was thinking of Jay Cutler. But, yeah, but that's Jay Cutler Jay was, Cutler was traded for the Yeah, that's right. Kyle Orton trade. The last time in the NFC North, North, a team was able to draft, develop, and have success with the quarterback. Other than the Packers, who have done it for, what, 30 years and pushing? I don't have an answer, so I'll, I'll, instead I'll ask you another question. Okay, I'll go ahead. This. No. <laughs> More impressive historically, Steelers head coaches or Packers quarterbacks? Ooh, Ooh. I'm going to go with the quarterbacks. Me too, me I'm going to go with the quarterbacks. The guys on the field are always going to get the edge for me. And Jordan but the head coaches get fired after two years. No, yeah, but, but a quarterback I, but I, can make a head coach look good. No doubt about it. And here's what I'll say. Jordan Love, in the second half of the season, has been the best quarterback in the NFC. He's been the best quarterback in the NFC. He's got the best QBR since week 11. The, the best QBR since week 11. Yes. He's, he's got and. the best touchdown to interception ratio, 18 touchdowns to only one pick, and he's got a record of 6-2. and two. He's been phenomenal. And this is the youngest team in the NFL. And a lot of times we'd say, well, these young players, they're not no. going to be able to find their stride yet. Give them another year. He's doing it in real time with this young team. No, so and he's impressive. got great receivers. Romeo Dobbs, Christian Watson, UVA guy, Dontavian Wicks, who did a Lambo leap yesterday. Shout out to him. Yep. Like They've got a lot of young talent around him. They're only going to grow together, like you said before, Smalls. Dante Culpepper? <laughs> We're still on. No, I'm still trying to answer this question. <laughs> that, that, it's a good that, question. That, how many years ago was that though? But we're talking about 20 years. 20 years ago. And we're talking about an entire it's a, division. It's literally two I'm decades ago. Is Justin Fields actually the answer? It's no, he's not no, the answer. No, because if he's not staying there, he's not the answer. <laughs> no, but, okay, he hasn't so, made the playoffs. <laughs> Dante Culpepper. That's my answer. <laughs> two decades ago. Wow. I think. And we wow. we think. I'm trying to think wow. of who else. Do you think? Uh, can you imagine how angry the other teams in that divisions are? Detroit's like, really? You guys got this guy again? The Bears are like, J- Jordan Love? Really? Well, I mean, Detroit does have a Super Bowl winning quarterback that they draft. He just didn't win a Super Bowl with them. True. True. <laughs> but I just can't understand how they keep doing this. It's outrageous. Before we get out of here, I just want to say how happy I am for Baker Mayfield that he has punched the ticket for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to the playoffs. When you're the number one overall pick, you have so much pressure on you to be a certain type of player, and Baker hasn't necessarily had that linear path to success, but we thought that he was going to be the bridge for the Bucks in the Tom Brady era. He's exceeded a lot of expectations. He's played so well this season, and I'm thrilled for him. All right, so I'm going to now put you guys on the spot, as CeCe has done here well with, with this. 
It was Geno last year. It was Baker this year. Who's next year? What, the, we wrote him off, but the, he didn't write back, though, guy? Yeah. Who's next year? Can't say Kyler because Kyler's not going anywhere, right? Think of that. Does it end up being Justin Fields? Mac Jones, Zach Wilson. That sounds ridiculous that I just said those two. Can, I, can I say Kirk Cousins? Can we go to break? We're on Sportsmanlike <laughs> ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Unsportsmanlike live weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch on ESPN2 and on ESPNU. Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle.